starting route to Applebee's. In 9.2 miles, turn right onto Bridgewater Club Loop. This year, for July 4th, I did the most American thing I could imagine. I took an eating tour of the country's leading casual dining restaurants, according to Nation's Restaurant News. And by leading, I mean these restaurants have the most locations, or what the chain restaurant industry would call units. I ate at Applebee's. If you keep on eating, we'll keep it coming. All-you-can-eat riblets and tenders at Applebee's. Now that's eating good in the neighborhood. Twice. I ate at Chili's. Get an entree like this, plus starter and Coca-Cola for just 10 bucks. Steak included. Chili's is back, baby, back, baby, back. Twice. I ate at Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> We're headed to overtime! Buffalo Wild Wings. You have to be here. Field goal for the win! Oh! Twice. I ate at Olive Garden. Pick any combination of sauce and pasta, then another. Try them all for just $8.95, plus endless salad and breadsticks. This math tastes delicious. <laughs> Olive Garden, when you're here, you're family. Twice. I ate at Outback Steakhouse. Hurry in now. Outback Steakhouse. Aussie rules. And come in every day for big lunch combos starting at $7.99. Twice. I ate at Red Lobster. Deciding what to have at Red Lobster is hard work, but it sure has its rewards. Red Lobster for the seafood lover in you. Twice. I ate at Red Robin Gourmet Burgers and Brews. Nobody makes gourmet burgers like we do. Uniquely created to be insanely delicious. Red Robin. Yum. Twice. I ate at Ruby Tuesday. Delicious flatbreads, tacos, tenders, and salads. All made to order and all under 10 bucks. Only at Ruby Tuesday. Twice. I ate at Texas Roadhouse. If it doesn't say Texas, it's not Texas Roadhouse. Twice. And I ate at Longhorn Steakhouse. If you're wondering why I didn't go to Waffle House or Cracker Barrel, that's because those places are classified as family dining restaurants. You know you're casual dining if you can get beer, but you can't get breakfast. I also ruled out all of the counter service chains, even though they're way more common than the kind of restaurants that have hosted stands and printed menus. Subway alone has more than 26,000 locations. So that means you have a 5,000% better chance of finding an Italian BMT than a Longhorn Steakhouse Texas Tunyon when you're hungry on the highway. And the numbers aren't trending in casual dining's favor. We'll talk more later about why the industry has had a rough millennium so far, but you may have noticed that an Applebee's you used to pass on your way to work isn't there anymore. Still, casual dining chains haven't exactly disappeared. If you add up all of the locations, sorry, units of the chains I visited, you're talking about 8,625 restaurants at which Americans will dine tonight. So that's one reason I wanted to review chain restaurants. It seems weird to ignore a whole category of restaurants just because they're popular. Movie critics write about the Avengers. Music critics write about Drake. Pretending like there's no such thing as Buffalo Wild Wings will not make salted caramel boneless chicken pieces go away, if that is, in fact, what food critics want to see happen. Or let's say most food critics have even higher hopes. They're pulling for restaurants where the workers are paid fairly and the fish doesn't come from a factory. Only big chains have the power to take those conditions from restaurant lanyaps to industry standards. So shouldn't we be paying attention to them? Of course, I'm not the first restaurant reviewer to take chains seriously. Grand Forks, North Dakota, and at 85, Marilyn Haggerty thought it was just another food column. She writes one a week, and this time, it was the brand new Olive Garden. 
people were very excited about the Olive Garden and it was packed with people for the first several weeks. The ABC News report was friendly, but people mocked Marilyn Haggerty mercilessly. Apparently, you're not supposed to waste time evaluating a menu that was manufactured in far-off corporate headquarters and then precisely replicated from Honolulu to Bangor, Maine. But here's what those people making fun of Marilyn Haggerty on Twitter missed. In some ways, we are all eating at chain restaurants now. I've seen Cisco trucks parked in front of restaurants that show up in glossy magazines and get nominated for fancy awards. Sure, there are exceptions. I'm not talking about your favorite little restaurant, I promise. But if you think you can avoid frozen french fries and imported shrimp by only eating at locally owned restaurants, you're wrong. Increasingly, what makes any restaurant special is service. So let's listen to Marilyn Haggerty again. People were very excited about the Olive Garden, and it was packed with people for the first several weeks. Were they excited about the promise of endless breadsticks? In 2010, two years before Marilyn Haggerty wrote her famous review, North Dakota was the number one wheat-growing state in the country. Folks in Grand Forks aren't exactly hard up for flour. What appealed to them, I'm guessing, was the restaurant experience. Bread might be part of dinner at home, but nobody there is pouring free tastes of wine or offering to refill your salad bowl. During my chain restaurant trip, I stopped at Texas Roadhouse in Brooksville, Florida. Part of the trick to eating 20 chain restaurant meals in a row is careful beverage selection. You want carbonation without lots of extra sugar. So when Lane asked me what I was drinking, I said, just a Miller Lite. I actually taped this conversation, but Texas Roadhouse sounds like this. So you'll have to settle for this reenactment. My producer, Emery, is playing Lane's part. Uh, Just a Miller Lite. It's not just a Miller Lite. Hot as it is today, I'd love to be having a Miller Lite right now. I'll be right back with that. Lane had a point. It was 4 o'clock on a Wednesday, and my only job at the moment was to sit in an air-conditioned dining room and have a beer. I was suddenly pretty excited for that Miller Lite. It tasted great. And fortunately, since my work wasn't done, it really was less filling. That's the genius of chain restaurants. They're phenomenally good at making the everyday feel like something worth celebrating. At the corporate level, the people in charge can get a little carried away with this whole idea. I'm not sure if Red Lobster's trademark crab fest is really the ultimate celebration of everything crab, for example. But within a chain restaurant, the staff's interest in guests having a good time is impressive. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Happy birthday to you. And this brings us to the second reason I was eager to review chain restaurants. When it comes to service, chain restaurants have a huge advantage over independent restaurants. At their size, a company can afford to have formalized training programs with videos and certificates and awards. Plus, big companies can offer benefits that help lure top talent. Still, I think independent restaurants could learn something about service from the chains. I was at a Red Lobster in Largo, Florida, when a man seated a few booths away from me got up to get something from his car. He was eating with an older woman, who was probably his mother, and she seemed a little disoriented after he left, or... Maybe she grew up at a time when women didn't typically down alone and she wasn't sure what to do in a booth all by herself. In any case, one of the servers noticed the woman was looking lonely and promptly took the man's vacated seat. She told the woman she thought it would be fun if they spent her break together. The older woman was smiling by the time her son came back. At their best, chain restaurants make everyone feel welcome. During my chain restaurant trip, I had tired servers, forgetful servers, and one server with a crushing headache. 
But I never encountered a server who was the least bit judgmental. At an Olive Garden, a man at a table across from mine was eating directly out of a never-ending salad bowl, while the woman alone at a table alongside mine ordered nothing but cheesecake and soup, and she wanted the cheesecake first. Her server never blinked. You know what you get in exchange for respecting your guests? A diverse group of diners. Right now, one out of every 10 married couples in the U.S. is racially mixed. That statistic won't surprise you if you've been spending time in chain restaurants. Their audience actually looks like America. People who believe that the road to racial harmony is lined with restaurants where eaters from different backgrounds come together probably ought to be giving out Olive Garden gift cards. This is starting to sound like a very happy story. Love or hate their food, chains are creating the kind of experiences that make restaurant going worthwhile and raising the bar for inclusivity. But as I mentioned earlier, most casual dining chains are struggling. Why? Alan Lytle is Nation Restaurants News Data Director. So he keeps a close eye on which chains are faltering and which chains have figured out ways to stay afloat in the current economy. The chains that I visited, they almost all fall into the former group. You know, casual dining is amongst the male this concept. So they've been around a while and they've built a lot of restaurants. But more than age and possible build-out problems, um, I think casual dining is particularly sensitive to a wide array of social and governmental changes taking place. You know how the middle class is shrinking? That's a major problem for casual dining chains because the rich think they're too good for blooming onions and the poor can't afford them. But even those left in the middle class have good excuses for driving past the chain restaurants they used to patronize. And this, this at a time when, you know, you can get almost everything on demand, subscription entertainment services, high definition, visual and audio equipment, make movie, game night, and date night sort of optional. You can stay at home and get everything you wanted before and get the food you might not normally cook uh, mm-hmm. for yourself, but you want from any number of new sources like supermarket delis, delivery services, and meal kits. Lytle's just warming up here. Better educated consumers and tougher drinking and driving laws mean that purchases of alcohol, particularly away from home, are down in recent years. Don't think you can overlook the impact of uh, the do-it-yourself movement in the food network over all the years recently. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole generation now sees that some of the dishes they might have craved or didn't even know they would crave uh, aren't a matter of rocket science. And that's another thing. You know, mall pressures are also hurting guys dining because malls aren't particularly doing well and a lot of Chains way back when hits their stars the mall because that's what people would be out and about anyway. In short, it can seem like everything is conspiring to take down casual dining chains. Lytle says the only ones doing relatively well are those which have carved out super specific niches, such as Coop's Hawk, which has a winery theme, or Dave and Buster's, which is essentially a giant video game arcade with a kitchen. Or maybe even the Fogo de Chow that uh, has the history skewered meat delivered table side adds the experience a little bit. Just, I don't know about you, but I don't have a vertical rotisserie. So anyway, the ones that sort of create these different experiences stand out as something special. will do better. But chains like Red Lobster, which celebrated its 50th anniversary this year, aren't giving up. They've experimented with longer menus and shorter menus. Applebee's installed live fire grills, although Lytle said that project fell flat. Olive Garden came up with a new look for its dining room. Realizing that their customers were impatient, they put payment tablets on their tables and then loaded them up with games. So at least for now, the big guys are still around. Which means you're likely to end up at a chain restaurant one of these days if you're not eating at chain restaurants already. Even if you're the kind of person who buys eggplants at the farmer's market, 
you'll eventually find yourself in small-town Indiana after 9 p.m., forced to choose between dinner at Chili's or the snacks in your hotel's vending machine. Or maybe everyone in your office will want to take Stan to Ruby Tuesday for his retirement lunch. You can't disappoint Stan. When other critics have written up chain restaurants, they've set out to discover whether you should eat in them. My starting point is you have no choice, but I can help you make the most of them. Remember at the very start of this episode when I told you where I ate? I listed the restaurants in order from most to least locations. Applebee's has 1,782 locations. Longhorn Steakhouse has 509. TGI Fridays is down to 436 locations, if you're curious as to why there's very little talk of potato skins in this podcast. But the reviews follow a different order, with Longhorn up top. That's because Longhorn was the best restaurant I went to. The rest of the restaurants follow according to how I rank them, with Applebee's at the bottom. So if you're staring down a highway sign that shows your options as Outback Steakhouse, Red Robin, and Chili's, I suggest you pick Red Robin. And then you can click on the Red Robin episode for a three-minute rundown on what to expect when you get there. But before I let you go, a few last words of guidance to prepare you for your visit, no matter which chain you pick. Federal law now requires chain restaurants put calorie counts on menus, which means you may have to come to terms with your burger exceeding your daily calorie allotment. If you're a dead set on sticking to a diet, it's fine to ask for salad dressing on the side, light sauce on your pasta, and less butter on your steak. Speaking of steak, the sirloin is usually your best bet. If you order steak, you will invariably be offered a few shrimp to go with it. Always skip the shrimp. They're like the tofu of chain restaurant kitchens used to soak up the flavors wherever they're sauced with. Broccoli is frequently mistreated too. Potatoes are the safer side dish. Independent restaurants make good money on drinks and desserts, but the chain restaurants I reviewed have done surprisingly little with both, at least as separate categories. You'll see a bunch of dessert drinks on the menu, but if you want a dessert you can't slurp, you're likely to get stuck with a choice of cheesecake, chocolate cake, or an ice cream sundae. Sometimes there's a fruit pie. The beer and wine selection at every chain I visited was similarly uninspiring. Try the Miller Lite. Finally, despite chain restaurants' emphasis on good service, they don't hire many bussers. I can almost guarantee you'll see dirty dishes on a table. And if you make the mistake of ordering dessert, it might be yours. Servers don't put much sock in clearing away one course when they bring another. Okay, I think you are ready for a chain restaurant meal. Have fun. 